0: You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.
1: Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take
0: yourself too seriously, and one since that matters. And, what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. You love them, you hate them, and you can't stop talking about them. Announcers, analysts, pundits, they're all fair game. It's Sports Media Payhem with Alex Reamer. Time to let it rip.
1: Alright, alright, alright. Welcome in to episode number one of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. My name, as you just heard, in our big, fabulous Open is Alex Reamer. That's how you know this pod is legit, because we've got a legit Open. Alright, so welcome into the show. You can catch us each and every Wednesday, wherever you can find your favorite podcast, so mark that on your calendar. Every Wednesday, a new episode of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. We'll have bonus episodes and reaction episodes along the way, but this is the day, Wednesday, every Wednesday, you can count on a new and fresh sports media mayhem pod hitting your AirPods or however, or however you listen to us. Uh, so who the hell am I? Who am I? Well, as I mentioned in our great opening mentioned, my name is Alex Reamer. I used to be a host for WEI in Boston. I'm now a writer for Odyssey Sports and I've written a media, a weekly media column for a few years, and we figured, hey, this thing is pretty popular. People like it. I enjoy doing it. So let's bring the column to the podcasting airwaves. And that's what we're going to do on this show. We're going to talk about the business of sports media, people in sports media who are always great because a prerequisite to be in sports media, especially sports broadcasting, is you enjoy talking about yourself. I'm certainly included in that category, so we'll bring on interesting people as well. And also, there's just a lot of, did you like that announcer? Did you like that call? What what was up with ABC not showing Ime Udoka and Tony Brothers getting into it in Game 5? Why did they cover that up? So there's always stuff to talk about there as well, and I think the show will be a really nice mix of it all. So, since this is our first episode... I thought it would be appropriate to spend some time talking about what's been not just the biggest story in sports media this year, but I think the biggest story in sports media in years. I think this is something that could represent a seismic shift to the industry, and that is Tom Brady signing on with Fox. You know the deal, $375 million to not just call NFL games, but really lend the Brady brand to Fox, the 99 Productions, TB12, and everything that comes along with Tom Brady in today's day and age. And then one of the more unique parts about the deal, of course, is that it doesn't officially begin until Brady is retired. So that, as I said, is not just the biggest sports media story this year. It's the biggest sports media story in years, and it is in conjunction with just these – skyrocketing salaries that we're seeing top NFL analysts receive. Tony Romo started it all a couple years ago with his $18 million deal with CBS. And then we had Chris Collinsworth re-sign, Aikman and Joe Buck, huge money to go to ESPN this offseason. And Brady, of course, caps it all at $375 million. And this has been talked about. There have been many questions asked, one of which has been, What is the point of all this? You know, what exactly does Fox think it's getting when it signs Tom Brady to a $375 million deal? Or why does CBS really think that Tony Romo is worth $18 million? And as I said, that question's been asked numerous times, but I have still yet to hear a real satisfactory answer. So coming up on the other side, to hear my conversation with Brad Blank, who's a longtime agent. He's been in the business for 40-plus years. So he's seen a lot of changes. He's seen a lot of evolutions. Uh, he's an NFL player agent, also represents a lot of ex-NFL players in the sports media. He parlayed his NFL agent career into a sports media career. So he really is the perfect guy to talk about Tom Brady, these skyrocketing salaries, and also the advent of the active player broadcaster. Those of us who've been watching the NBA Finals know Draymond well. Draymond Green, he's with Turner Sports. He's got the podcast. ESPN has signed on CJ McCollum this postseason, and he's done a great job. So these active player broadcasters, is this the way of the future as well? And frankly, may even already be the way of the present. So Brad Blank, longtime agent in the NFL and sports media world, is coming up in a few moments. But before we do that, speaking of the NBA Finals, I want to talk a little bit about The men who we've been hearing calling these games, Mike Breen, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, Drew McGarry has a column online, San Francisco Gate, titled, When Did ESPN Decide These Three A-Holes Doing the Finals Were Irreplaceable? Drew McGarry, of course, is one uh, one of the great takedown artists of our time, I would say. And this is certainly a good takedown of Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson. And the whole point of the column is, as you can infer from the title, McGarry thinks they are quite irritating and annoying. (laughs) <laughs> um and they annoy him even though he says he can't hear a word they're saying. McGarry writes, many times they annoy me simply because of what I imagine them saying instead of what they're actually saying. What did Mark Jackson have to say about Curry getting taken out of the game? I don't know, but I bet it was pointless. I bet he was like, to me, this is absolutely the right move and I cannot imagine a scenario in which you would think otherwise. <laughs> I'd say first of all, I would say Drew has the cadence down pretty well and the speech patterns down pretty well with Mark Jackson. And I think I did a decent job of imitating Mark Jackson as well. Um, and then he says, and then I bet Van Gundy got all huffy and was like, you're just so wrong all the time, Mr. Wrong. And then both men laughed awkwardly and pretended they were a married couple next door that thinks they're much funnier than they are. So, as I mentioned, good takedown from Drew McGarry. We all love reading a good takedown. So I enjoyed the piece, but I disagree. I like Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson. Admittedly, I like Jeff Green a lot more than I like Mark Jackson. It is true that he is an irritating, cliche machine, but at least Van Gundy calls him out on some of his crap. You know, and yes, Jeff Van Gundy, a little bizarre, says some weird things, but at least he talks to Mark Jackson and Mike Breen like a human being would talk to his friends or his acquaintances or another human. And this is maybe... The low bar that we have, but that is a rarity among sports broadcasts. You watch all of these games, as we all do, across sports, and there is a dearth of real, actual banter between human beings. And that's what Jeff Van Gundy provides. Uh, you know, a couple games ago, he had an exchange with Mark Jackson. Mark was talking about how he gets into these 45 minute arguments. Playing pickup basketball games, and Van Gundy adds in, wait a minute, really? What are you arguing about for 45 minutes on a suburban court? Like, shut up, get out of here, and if you heard your buddy at the bar say that, you would probably say something similar. So, that's the kind of stuff that this team has that a lot of other broadcast teams don't, and I like the fact that Van Gundy's opinionated, he'll criticize players, he'll criticize coaches, Kind of criticize the officials once in a while. Admittedly, they don't do a lot of that, and that is an annoyance that I have with them. But look across the landscape. No NFL broadcaster from Romo to Aikman to Collinsworth is ever going to criticize the refs. Interestingly enough, Jim Nance sometimes will. Buck maybe will. Al Michaels will once in a while. They weirdly, the play-by-play guys weirdly do it more often than the NFL analysts, it seems like. But across sports, we don't have announcers focused on the referees. They let their awful calls pass. So Van Gundy is not unique in that category. He criticized players, coaches, plays, and as a result, he's wrong some of the time. Some would say a lot of the time because that's what happens when you're opinionated, but that's good. I'd rather have someone be opinionated and wrong than not opinionated at all. So I understand they're not perfect, and whenever you're hearing people for the entirety of the NBA playoffs, which is two plus months, or the entirety of the NBA finals, which feels like it takes two plus months, uh, you can get a little annoyed. Tensions can run high, right? When you're with people for a long period of time, you start to notice all the bad sides of their personality. And our beloved announcers are no different. But overall, I really think that Van Gundy does a nice job because again, he's opinionated and talks like a human and goes back and forth. And that's something that you just don't, see or hear a lot of, unfortunately. But fortunately for Drew McGarry and others who feel similarly to him about the ABC crew, uh, I don't think we're going to have Breen, Van Gundy, and Jackson on the call for long. And that's for a couple reasons. Number one, they've been together calling most NBA finals since 2007. They took a brief hiatus when Mark Jackson coached the Warriors for a few years, and then he left, and they won championship after championship. After championship. So, listening to Mark Jackson call Warriors games is a bit like giving the toast at your ex's wedding. I feel that. But outside of those few years where Jackson was coaching, they've called every NBA finals since 2007. That's a long time period, but especially in the world of sports TV. And to go to Draymond Green, CJ McCollum, and these active player broadcasters, I think we really are seeing the sports TV landscape in a different direction. You know, LeBron James was asked a couple days ago on Maverick Carter's podcast. Because, of course, LeBron can't just have his own podcast. No, his his business manager needs to have his own podcast as well. That is like this—I mean, (laughs) that's the universe we live in now, right? But Maverick Carter asked LeBron a question that I'm sure they've never talked about before off the air. You know, whether or not LeBron would pursue a career in TV after playing— And LeBron said that he may. That Brady's deal and the money that Brady is going to get has changed his calculation. And I definitely think we're going to see LeBron James in the booth in some capacity. He's not going to be traveling to Indianapolis for some, you know, mid-February Bulls-Pacers action on a Wednesday night. But they'll roll him out for the playoffs. They'll roll him out for the finals, the All-Star game, some other special events. And just like with Brady, It won't just be LeBron James calling basketball games, but it will be partnering with LeBron, the brand, partnering with his production company, maybe partnering with his charitable organizations and just leveraging the LeBron brand to the best of your ability. That's what Fox is going to do with Brady. He has a production company, 99 Productions. He has TB12. He is the ultimate closer in any deal they think with advertisers and things of that nature. Uh, It was even in the contract, right? Brady's a brand ambassador which actually used to be my old title at WEI, if we're going to be technical about it. So me and Tom Brady, one of the same, right? Uh, <laughs> but um, actually, I was a brand personality, not brand ambassador, but same kind of idea. Give me that one. Would you at least give me that one? Come on. And it's the only time I'll ever be compared to TB12. But um, Brady, LeBron, these guys, again, it's not just giving, bringing them on to call games. It's getting involved in the whole brand. And part of that is the star power that they add to the broadcast as well. And let's be honest, as much as I like him, LeBron James calling an NBA Finals is just a little bit bigger than Jeff Van Gundy, known for hanging on to Alonzo Morning's leg in the middle of a fight. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of a bigger feel than that. So I think that we will see a change pretty soon. I think that we'll see again. More of this, LeBron, these big stars, again, you know, the, maybe CJ McCollum next time isn't just doing the studio, maybe he's down in the booth as well as an active player, giving that perspective. So I do think that we are in the midst of a seismic shift in how all this stuff works. So much to my chagrin, the Jeff Van Gundy super fan that I am, uh, I do not think that we'll be hearing those threes on the finals broadcast for an indefinite period of time. So Drew McGarry can rest peacefully. But as I mentioned, to talk more about this stuff, we bring on Brad Blank, longtime agent in the NFL and sports media world. He's coming up on the other side of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast. Thank you for listening. And welcome back to the show. As I mentioned in the opening, very excited for our first ever guest. And he's a perfect topic for our topic du jour today. Brad Blank has been an agent for 40 years in the NFL and sports media. And why is he perfect for today? As I said in the opening, a lot of his clients are ex NFL players. Brad, how are you? Welcome to the show. I'm great, Alex. How are you? I'm doing well. It's great to connect here. Um, So yeah, you know, let's jump right into it. I think that the biggest media story, not just of the year, but in a long time, is Tom Brady heading to Fox, 375 mil, and, you know, this question has been asked so many times, but I still have not heard a good answer, Brad, so maybe you can help me out here. Guys like Brady and even Aikman, Collinsworth, it's a whole different world, right? $18, $20, 30000000 million a year now for the top NFL analysts. How are the? Why are these guys worth it? Why do TV networks think that these guys are worth paying 20 to 30 million a year to call an NFL game. Okay.
0: Well, let's start with Tom because he might be an exceptional case right. that doesn't really pertain to the others. What I've read about that deal, and I, I have a relationship with Tom, but I have not talked to him since that Fox deal happened. Uh, but from what I've read about it, uh, there's more to it than meets the eye. Right. And it seems to me, in addition to doing broadcasting, which is a valuable commodity in its own right, but more importantly, He's gonna be used by Fox to, to do all sorts of their business. And so if let's say Budweiser is their biggest sponsor and I'm just using that hypothetically, I don't know if that's correct right um, when they go out and schmooze the Budweiser top brass, Tom will be involved in that. So all of a sudden his ability to um, get executives uh, you know and excited about advertising with Fox is almost invaluable. For example, you know his job, might be doing the broadcast, of course, but let's just say playing golf with a bunch of car executives that his ability to do that and to make them feel good about their relationship with Fox is worth so much money that whatever they're paying him is justified by that. Yeah, but go ahead. As for Troy Aikman and the others, Joe Buck and, you know, the, the sort of people I represent who aren't those kind of superstars in the broadcast business. That is a more a better question because I really think Tom justifies the money based on what he's doing off the broadcast. And, and by the way, those guys do that similar stuff as well for the companies that they work for. But they're mostly getting paid for the broadcast itself. I think what ESPN did um, was kind of a reaction to what was going on in the market. And I think Fox signed Tom to that deal a lot because they lost the other two guys. And... I think that it was one of those situations, kind of like what the Cleveland Browns did with Deshaun Watson, and that's not looking so good at the moment, yeah. <laughs> but it's like, oh, my God, let's make a major move. We, it's not just about winning and losing. It's about selling tickets, about changing um, the, the brand and the franchise yeah. and, and selling tickets and you know getting us back on track to be a winning organization, and we're just going to go for broke. And I feel that some of the recent television deals for broadcasters are in similar light. I mean, there are many people, and I've read articles about it and talked to people, that think your ratings for a football game are gonna be what they're gonna be regardless of who the broadcasters are. And I think that's actually a pretty good argument. However, talking to the executives that make these decisions, they're competing with each other, and they feel that they wanna put on the best quality broadcast. And if you look at the television ratings for the NFL, and let's relegate this to the NFL now because the people we're talking about are all NFL broadcasters. The money's still justified based on the revenues that have the single biggest television phenomenon in the history of television. If you look at the top 20 rated shows for 2021. Oh, right. They're uh, all NFL games. I think, I think 18 much. of them are yeah. NFL games, yeah. And, and one might be the Oscars. And right. One might be the moon landing. You know, it's like really amazing – situations that compel people to watch television. And then there's the NFL, which dominates all that stuff.
1: Yeah. It's really the last thing that people
0: watch live, the NFL. Right. And and, and by the way, television ratings are sagging. There's so many opportunities and content out there between streaming and the internet. But the one thing that keeps going up, up, up as if there's no gravity are the NFL ratings. And COVID put a little dent in it, but that dent has been repaired and they're going up again. Um so yeah. as an agent I'm not unhappy about
1: that. <laughs> no, it's it's good for you. Um but yeah, I, I guess that also like parlays into my next question is that, you know, NFL games, like does the NF does Fox really need Tom Brady to get Budweiser on board with advertising during, you know, their four o'clock window NFL games, which each week are, as you know, the most watched thing in the country? Or, or is it competing with CBS and Fox is now like, okay, well you got Romo, well, how about playing around to golf with Brady? <laughs> you know, it gives him
0: the like right. up there. I, having spent time doing special events with Tom Brady, I don't know how to describe it, but uh, he's so iconic that uh, I think need is a funny word. No, the, the world would continue without Tom Brady, and so would Fox. However, when you admire somebody and you have an ability to interact with them, that makes you do things in spending your money, and especially your company's money, that you otherwise might not do. Would Budweiser disappear if Tom Brady didn't have a round of golf with the CEO? No, but they might even be more generous in their spending as a result of the fact that, fact that Tom and the CEO of Budweiser start texting each other.
1: Got it. Yeah. And, everyone, and who doesn't want to text Tom Brady, right? So I, mean, I just
0: no, I, you know. I've done a few deals with Tom, and one, one was involving the car manufacturer Audi.
1: Yeah. And at
0: first, you know, I was kind of a middleman in that deal. Uh, I, I was uh, on the board of a charity that got Tom involved in and then Audi was the biggest sponsor of the charity. So the Audi executive that I met approached me and said, would Tom be interested in, in doing some stuff with Audi? And the beginnings of that deal, there was a reluctance on Audi's side to only have, you know, they had a budget to spend a certain amount of money. And there was a negotiation that went on. But when the individual spent time with Tom and started to I don't want to well, cheapen the relationship, but he started to feel like Tom was his friend. And then he started, you know, taking pictures with Tom and Giselle and putting them on his desk. And then he got as his kids called Tom. Yeah. Uh, all of a sudden, that, that changed the, the tenor of the negotiation. The budget opened up. That's just an example. Hmm. But I think that's the phenomenon yeah. I'm trying to describe to you,
1: Alex. No, that makes, that, that makes a lot of sense. He's like, he's like the ultimate you gotta closer. You got to remember,
0: it's not his money. It's the corporation's money. So he goes to the people... That he has to answer to and this guy was the ceo of audi of america now audi was owned by volkswagen so he had to go to the volkswagen people and say hey i need more money but he was a lot more enthusiastic about that once he spent time with tom
1: right yeah, and, and you mentioned too, Brad, like LeBron like that Tom Brady has his own production company as well. And this is not just about him calling, you know, eighteen NFL games a year. It's about the total package. LeBron said recently that he also, seeing the money that Brady got in this deal with Fox, would be interested in maybe doing some TV. So I'm wondering now if like this is a norm, right? That it's not just signing these megastar athletes to do the games, but it's, you know, signing the whole brand, right? Like it's signing the TB12 brand if you're Fox or LeBron, if he goes into business. Yeah, yeah right. It, right. I think that's it. And, right? and Alex,
0: I'd be honest. I, you know, I'm 60 I'm, uh, something years old now. Low 60s. Okay. Low. But, emphasis on but, low. But uh, I never heard the word br- emphasis on low, like, like, let's say 60 and a half. Okay. Okay. Got it. Got it. Not 61. But, but uh, I never heard brand as a word that described whatever brand means until I was probably in my 30s. And yet I understand what it is, and it's become a phenomenon now. You're not a person. You're a brand. Right. I'm not. I'm still a person. I'm not a brand. But the people who have marketing uh, and have a, a elitism to them, they turn into a brand, and that brand is the value that's getting paid for right. And most of us walking around the street are not brands. But at that elite level, the brand is the thing, right. and it's about having a reputation and lending that reputation to things that might other not, otherwise not be something that you're great at. For example, Tom Brady has a clothing line. What makes Tom an expert in clothing? I mean, he's a stylish guy. don't misunderstand me. <laughs> but that's the sort of thing. People decide, hey, it's cool to wear this clothing because it's Tom Brady and the lifestyle he leads, and I want to be like that. And I, I, I have no degrees in marketing, but that I understand. And people are very interested in celebrity lifestyles. doesn't have to be Tom Brady. Look at the Kardashians as an example. And they uh, infiltrate their brains. You know, I always say, what's the difference between the best bar of soap and the worst bar of soap? Probably not that much, but we're programmed to buy the one that we think is the best and the sexiest and the coolest. Yes. When I was a kid, my dad owned a candle factory. Um, I don't want to give away any secrets, but in this factory, they had a machine, many machines, but this particular machine that made something called a Kerlite candle. And I just, you know, I was literally a kid and I was just learning about the way the world works. That same candle, two identical things. One was packaged uh, under a, brand, uh, a, a label. I don't think the word brand was relevant then. We're talking 1970s. But one was sent to Bloomingdale's, and that candle would sell in Bloomingdale's for ten dollars. Right. And the other one was sent to Kmart, and that same candle would sell for two dollars and ninety-nine cents. And you know, as a kind of um, unsophisticated twelve-year-old, I said, "This is a scam. What's going on here?" And my dad explained, "It's it's all about marketing. There, yes, they're two identical candles, but the one that goes, the packaging on, on the one is a little fancier." And it's a more elite brand. I don't think he used the word brand, but but it, it, it's uh, going to Bloomingdale's, and that's a high retail, high end retail store. And the other one's going to Walmart, and it's a lower end retail store. And that's the psychology of people right. deciding what they're going to pay for. Right. So I, I I don't know. Again, there's no formal education by me of taking marketing, but that was kind of my first lesson in marketing. And now I, I'm kind of um, you know fast forwarding 30 years. No, I'm sorry, 40. 45, 50 years, and saying this now applies to celebrities and what I call celebrity marketing.
1: Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. same reason why they charge, what, like eight fifty for a cup of Bud White at Fenway? I <laughs> get the same thing for, you know, yes. five, well, six hours the out the there. If you right. bring your own beer. I thought that would work. <laughs> that, but, yeah, that's true.
0: The <laughs> idea that, you know, you're in a certain time and place. When, you know, when I went to, I, I have a place in Miami Beach now that I spend a lot of time, and, but I'm a, a, a lifelong uh, New Englander and Bostonian. And so, you know, in Boston, you go to a bar, you pay whatever you pay for a, a, a beer, whatever it is. It's it's it's, it's, it's getting worse, lot, but getting it's, worse you know, and as worse. As you said, eight dollars, $8, whatever it is. I don't even know what it is. I don't drink, but but I know that when you're in Miami, you go to a club and right. you get to a table, and then the bottle of vodka that you can buy for thirty dollars in the liquor store is a thousand dollars. That's right. And you're not really paying for the vodka; you're paying for the atmosphere. And the prestige and the fact that, you know, maybe uh, you'll attract many members of the opposite gender who want to <laughs> sit in the cool section. But and, it, so it's the ambiance. You're paying an outrageous amount of money technically for the drink, but that's not really what you're paying no. for.
1: And nothing says cool Similar. like in a $1,000 bottle of vodka, at least in my
0: view. Right. So. I can't do it myself. I couldn't even fathom that. No, I can go to the liquor store and drink them myself in my apartment. <laughs> but they, those places do very well. Yes,
1: they certainly do. And They don't meant-
0: exist in Boston, or if they do, I don't know about uh, it. But, but th- when you get out into the world and, and you go to certain cosmopolitan places, that bottle service is very yes. normal, and yes. people pay
1: for it. Yes, I would say fair to say the nightlife in Miami Beach, uh, definitely uh, a bit different than what we have going on in Boston. Um, At you- least for me, it was a little bit of a culture shock. I'm guessing there are pockets of that in Boston, but I have never been there. Um, You mentioned Brady's clothing line and that also, you know, I think that we spend a lot of time talking about, you know, why does this make sense for Fox and these networks? But also, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense for Brady too, right? He has TB12, nutrition line, clothing line. He wants to stay in the public eye and there's really no better way for him to do that than be on the most watched show in the country for, you know, 20 weeks in the fall and winter, right? No, I, I,
0: you know, uh, again, I think we're mostly speaking to Patriots fans. I'm not sure about your listenership, but, but. Uh, when well, Tom was yeah. coming up with the Patriots when I first met him, he had many, many endorsement opportunities after that first Super Bowl, second Super Bowl, third Super Bowl. He said no to about 90% of them. Uh, I think something changed there more recently as the Super Bowls accumulated and his retirement became more imminent. And I think at some point he decided, uh, along with some advice, that, okay, uh, you know, I paid my dues and now I'm really marketable and now I'm going to go for it. And all of a sudden, you know, it's not just TV-12, it's not just the to- the clothing company, it's movies. He's got a, uh, a production company, as you mentioned, and he's involved in uh, cryptocurrency. He's in- involved in a-, a lot of other stuff that normally he wouldn't be interested in before he kind of evolved into this brand that we're talking about. Right. He was more like an individual at the beginning and not that interested in marketing. Yeah. But I don't blame him. It's really great for him, and he's kind of laying his future. You know, he- he's laying the bricks of his future now um, and he's getting involved in all kinds of things. And, you know, I certainly think it's good for him and I don't blame him at all. Um, and I think, you know, I hate to say it, I'm being completely speculative, but some of that might've come with his relationship with his wife because she was kind of into this marketing and branding a little before he was
1: totally without a doubt. And, uh, I also want to switch gears here and talk about this. And again, Brad, given your experience representing ex athletes, going to the media, I think you're perfect person to talk about this. So obviously throughout the NBA finals, uh, Draymond Green's podcasts and his media opportunities have been a big talking point. Uh, you know, he's recorded more podcasts and pointsy averages in a game. That was one of my favorite stats. Um, but what do you make of this whole active player analyst concept? So Draymond is with TNT, CJ McCollum has been doing playoff stuff for ESPN, do you think mm-hmm. that this is the future where we now have active players signing on as analysts for the playoffs or other ga- like Draymond was this year?
0: Yes. I mean, yeah. I
1: again, I when it
0: comes to technology and social media, I'm a functional moron. <laughs> but I do visit with a lot of college age athletes and now it's all about Instagram NIL is now almost a year old. I think the Supreme Court decided that case right around this time last year. And younger athletes are mirroring what they see their older athletes and some of their idols doing. And now almost every college player is trying to plot his future as a brand. Right, Every player is now thinking about what is my logo going to be. I mean, I remember the first time I saw TB12, somebody that worked for Tom Brady sent it to me on an email and showed me it. And I was like, yeah, it looks kind of interesting. I, and now it's, you know, you see it everywhere. And I, don't, I, get to keep going, I hate to keep going back to Tom Brady because your question was about Draymond Green. But now everybody has a podcast. Even you, Alex, have a
1: podcast. I, I know, I right? They're getting yet. them to everybody.
0: I don't have one yet, and I don't think I'll ever have one. But, I mean, that's kind of become a more normal thing. Lots of people have podcasts. Right. I think the Internet, frankly, I remember when YouTube started and I sort of thought to myself, well, now everybody can be a star.
1: You right. know, Justin
0: Bieber became a superstar. But from what I understand, and I know a lot about Justin Bieber, but it all started on YouTube when he was a little kid and his parents posted uh, pictures or, or videos of him drumming. Right. And singing. And so he didn't have to go what was for my generation. The conventional route is, you know, get an agent try to get a record contract. Right. That's not what it, now you can bring it directly to the people. Right. you put it up there on the internet whether it's a podcast or a YouTube video and if you get followers, you become a star. And if you get a lot of followers, you can become a brand. And in the, and then your ability to market isn't relegated to what your original talent was. You know, in Tom Brady's case his talent was football, but he's into all kinds of stuff now that have nothing to do with football. Same with Justin Bieber. Now, back to Draymond Green. I don't know a lot about his podcast, but, oh, I would say a good percentage of professional athletes now have, if it's not through social media, and I don't know if podcast is considered social media, um, but through Instagram. I mean, again, I have clients that aren't stars, that are college players, and they have their own podcasts. And I say I have. That means I represent yes. the shorter firm of saying it. Uh, <laughs> we got it. But a, a lot of college players. I mean, I had one last year uh, from Boston College who had a food review, and it was very amusing. Uh, <laughs> but And it was successful, but it wasn't because he was a superstar NFL player. At the time, he was a wannabe NFL player. And, you know, he had many followers watching his little uh, food reviews where he'd go around local Boston restaurants and just talk about the food and whether he liked it or not.
1: Yeah, no, no, it, you're totally seeing that. And uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think that this is, and then for someone like Draymond Green, who already has a relationship now with Turner Sports, it's great for both sides because when he retires, he's already, he can just jump right into a full time role, you know? So, it you know, really...
0: I, 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 again, that's exactly right. I, I, a couple of weeks ago, had a conversation with Cameron Jordan, who plays for the New Orleans yep. Saints. So he got a job recently as a color commentator for the USFL, okay. and he's been doing appearances on the NFL network. And just in that conversation with him, it occurred to me that he's being really smart and he's doing these little hobby type like appearances so that once his career is over, and I think he's in his 12th year, he's going to very naturally and fluidly make a transition into being a broadcast. Um, and I, he's a natural. I've watched some of this stuff. And I think when the NFL career is up, the broadcast networks are going to be clamoring over him and he'll have a little bidding war. And uh, he'll get a big contract to be a broadcaster, even though, let's say, three years ago when he was in the prime of his NFL career, he wasn't doing any broadcasting.
1: Right. Totally. Getting started early. And it's definitely, I think, going to be worth it financially for all involved, including the agents, Brad. So that's good news for you. Uh, Uh, Well, again,
0: I'm not against it. uh, (laughs) You know, if you take me out of it, I don't know what the consumers think, the fans, because they're the ones ultimately that have to support all this. Um, So I don't know if it means that prices of everything are going to go up, but I I think that's part of it. But selfishly on the agent side, I'm not upset about it.
1: Brad, this was great. Thank you so much for the time today. Much appreciated, man. No no worries. Pleasure to do it. All right, so thank you all for tuning in to the debut episode, episode number one of the Sports Media Mayhem podcast, and a big thanks again to Brad Blank for taking the time and coming on the show. Now, I want this podcast to also be interactive, right? It's not just me talking into the abyss or into your AirPods on a weekly basis. I want you all to feel involved in the show, too. So the best way to do that is on Twitter, against my better judgment. My Twitter DMs are open. So don't make me regret it, and hit me up on Twitter, at alexreamer one is my username, that again, at alexreamer one any show ideas, show thoughts, guest ideas, whatever you have for me, reach out to me on there, and I promise I'll read it, and all right, I'll get back to you too, because I, well, I have nothing else to do, <laughs> no, but really, uh, I, I've been in this business for, I can say a while now, yeah, I'm 29, it's been... It's been a while. It's been most of my adult working life. And I can comfortably say that uh, interacting with the people listening and the readers, that's the best part of this job because it shows that people are out there enjoying what we do. So if you have any, any comments at all, hit me up on Twitter and I'll be happy to get back to you. So long. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next time.